So today we celebrate St. Philip and St. James, the lesser, not James the greater. Peter, James, and John, that's a different. This one is said to be Jesus' brother, but we know in the words of the scriptures, brother could mean kinsman, uh, cousin, or, or whatnot. Now, the interesting thing about the apostles, which we celebrate today, is the church has always taught that the death of the last apostle ended public revelation and entered us into the end times. The end times, we don't know how long they will be. Could be tonight, could be 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, we don't know. But we are in the end times. The end times technically began with the death of the last apostle, who was the apostle John, who we just read his passage. Now, what's interesting, look at the catechism, what it says about this in 670. Since the ascension, God's plan has entered into its fulfillment. We are already at the last hour. Already the final age of the world is with us, and the renewal of the world is underway. Now, if you saw some of our talks, I did a couple talks last year. I won't go into the re rehash that, but talks about in the Bible there are five signs that must happen before the final coming of Christ. If you went to hear those and learn more about them, you can find them on our end times talk here on this YouTube channel. But also there is prophecy in addition to scripture approved by the church and it talks about something interesting. Talks about several stages that we will go through, not just single events, but stages before the coming of Christ. They are a great chastisement, a warning or kind of an illumination of conscience. Now here I'm going to the proved saints, prophecy, okay? Then there will be the Antichrist. That is biblical, in fact. Then many talk about the three days of darkness as the end of the chastisement. Then will come an era of peace, which is the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. And then finally, the second coming of Christ. Now, it seems that we may now be seeing the coming of the chastisement. It should not be something that scares us. This has been prophesied. This is in scripture. But we have to know what it is, what to be aware of, and what to do. The recent news is troubling. I think all you have to really do is look at decades and decades of abortion, redefining marriage, now genital mutilation of children, enforced transgenderism without even parent knowledge, which even Pope Francis called evil. These are troubled times. And God has been so patient, none of us, if a chastisement is coming or we're in the midst of it now, could say, why are you such a mean Lord? No, sin has consequences. Remember, God is justice just as he is mercy. Mercy is his greatest attribute. 
But I think the Lord was so patient with us because up until now, a lot of that was forced on us. Like Roe v. Wade was not voted in by the people. It was forced upon us, as you've heard me say. But now people are voting it in. My own home state of Michigan. What has been voted in on the laws of the books there make you shudder. The state laws that are being voted in are unbelievable. People, even Ireland, the great Catholic nation, is voted in for abortion and redefining of marriage. Now, a lot of this is coming from America, pushing our agenda around the world. That is troublesome. Now we have a point where, if you've been reading the news, it's everywhere. The de-dollarization is well underway. Every economist claims it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of how long it will take to have deadly consequences. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about this because it applies to the moral fabric of our world. And I do think I have a little bit of authority here. I have an MBA from Michigan. I do think I have some knowledge in this area. But I think what's more important is the moral lesson that God is giving us. Now, just a really quick nutshell. Most of the world has used United States dollars for trade for many, many, many years. It is used as the currency for oil reserves. So when nations trade, they have to have a common currency with which to trade. And that common currency has always <clears throat> been the United States dollar. Now, the United States put sanctions on Russia of $300 billion that were actually Russian money, Russian-owned, but it was in American dollars. The U.S. put sanctions on it. And Russia then to the rest of the world said, hey, look, America can do the same thing to you. If you're holding American dollars, they'll freeze your assets too. And these sanctions forced Russia to turn to China. The two together have announced publicly that they will destroy the American dollar. They have made no bones about it. The question is, is what will happen? Well, the BRICS, if you haven't heard it, B-R-I-C-S, BRICS, is for the nations of Brazil, Russia, India, surprisingly, China, and South Africa that are basically saying we don't want the United States dollar anymore because they could hold these same sanctions over us. And so now France, Argentina, Malaysia, Indonesia, and many others are dropping the U.S. currency. Why do I bring all this up? You're going to see here in a moment. Now, yesterday was the death knell. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, when they learned that the United States has announced that gas will basically be outlawed in 2035, gas appliances, gas vehicles, already in numerous states, all the government, which is our largest employer in the United States, is the U.S. government. When all of that happens, gas will be outlawed by 2035. Saudi Arabia, an OPEC nation that for focuses on oil and gas, said Sia. Now they have pulled out of the U.S. dollar. So they see no future as being an ally with the United States. This forces them to Russia for oil, gas, and to China for cash reserves with no sanctions. Now, many more are coming, and this will remove the dollar from being the world's reserve currency, which takes away all 
international authority of the United States and power. The rate of de-dollarization is 10 times greater than any point in history. So a lot of people are saying, well, don't worry, the dollar is still the predominant currency. You'll see these articles. But yeah, nobody is saying that the problem is, is everybody's dropping the dollar. It's still a, hard, a large percentage, but each day it is being dropped. What's it going to be in a year? That's the question. The dollar will plummet, many economists say, and will take away currency holdings of the U.S. dollar. Now add to that the debt that we are running and the default that we are about to incur. This is the noose around our neck. Why do I bring this up? This is decades of materialism, consumerism, lack of consequences of our actions, and most of all, thinking that God is not in charge, but we are. Hyperinflation, the economists tell us, will come, and with it will be a continual rise of interest rates. The one thing I remember from my MBA program is when inflation skyrockets, there's only one way to bring it down, and that is to raise interest rates. And when we raise continuously, which we've been doing the interest rates, it'll crush and has crushed economies. This is going to change everything. Like Nazi Germany, we maybe have to take a wheelbarrow of money to buy a loaf of bread. In Nazi Germany in the 1930s, they were burning cash to heat their homes. Right now, the U.S. dollar is not backed by a precious metal asset like gold. We've been removed from the gold standard. And so this will bring, some say, something worse than we've ever seen, even worse than the Depression of 1929. Starvation, violence in the streets, complete anarchy, with most nearly all problems today in our culture being tied to racism, class warfare will break out. This is what is happening. It almost seems like this is intentional. We don't know. But I'm about to give you the answer if you believe in God. Now, <clears throat> most says we'll become poor overnight. Several leading investors, if you're reading the news, have said, before we have had crises, like in 2008, the housing bubble, the dot-com, but in none of these cases was the dollar being dropped at an enormous rate. The dollar was still being held, which gave the authority. But now, it's our own doing. Debt, sanctions, the rejections of oil and gas. We are forcing other nations, as we said, to turn to China and Russia, who publicly stated that they will destroy our economy. The rise of a new world order? That's a question. But this is certainly the rise of a new world currency. And so with it, this is very important. So what does heaven say? What does the church say about this? Well, sadly, not enough. The church is not speaking enough on this because this is going to affect everybody in our way of life. But heaven has spoken. Look at Mary at Akita, La Salette, Cabejo, Fatima. She talks about all of this. And we have done talks on every one of those that you can find on this channel.
the purpose of the message of chastisement, if we are entering into what could be the greatest chastisement certainly any of us alive today have ever incurred, there's something to be learned. The future is not irrevocably set. We can change world events and save souls if we answer the call of Our Lady. We can make a difference. You can. What did Our Lady say at Akita? Approved Japan. A series of miracles and locutions were given to Sister Agnes Sasagawa. She warned of a terrible chastisement but also assurance that we can avert or mitigate the chastisement with prayer, especially the rosary, penance, and courageous sacrifices. Here's what Mary said at Akita, and I'm quoting Mary, as I told you, if men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will allow a terrible punishment on all humanity. Notice Mary always says, if, Fatima, if you do not turn back to God, a greater war will break out. And it did, because we didn't turn back to God. Here she is saying, if men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will allow a terrible punishment on all humanity. Now this collapse of the dollar is not going to happen overnight. God is giving us, I, I can't even believe how patient and how much God is laying it in front of us to not be so focused on ourselves, on materialism, and most of all, rewriting his law, redefining marriage, and taking life in the womb, and changing what he gave us as man and woman. So he says, Mary says, that this, the Father will allow this punishment on humanity. It will be a punishment greater than the deluge. Greater than Noah, such as one has never seen before. The only arms which will remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son. Interesting, St. Faustina talked about the sign that was left by Jesus in the sky. She said there would be days of darkness and the light would come from the cross. Mary said, each day pray the rosary. And the rosary is scriptural. Every single line of that is in scripture. Even pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death is in scripture. You can find that talk that I did called the rosary. Biblical, not in vain. That tells you all where it's in scripture. So she said, <clears throat> each day pray the rosary. With the rosary, pray for the pope, the bishops, and priests. Now, remember, these prophecies are conditional, meaning they depend on man's cooperation with God's grace. It's not too late. How do we persevere through this? Easy. Mary and divine mercy. Divine mercy, Jesus said, you've heard me say it a hundred times, to St. Faustina, mankind's last hope is salvation. There will not be peace until we turn with trust to his divine mercy. He is giving us now a time of mercy. This has been so extended. Jesus told St. Faustina 92 years ago 
that she was going to help him prepare the world for his final coming. 92 years ago, he's giving us every opportunity. But after that, he said, will come a time of justice. He said, if you do not pass through the doors of my mercy, you must pass through the doors of his justice. We are at that door. Mankind is at that door, and we have the doors of mercy, and we have the doors of justice. Which will we take? Well, here's the answer. In 1775, the United States Continental Congress developed the first Thursday in May, which is tomorrow, as a national day of prayer and fasting. What more timely event could there be? I beg you, if you heard nothing else in this homily, please pray and fast tomorrow. I normally fast on Fridays. Uh Uh-uh. Tomorrow. This is what our Lord is giving us. He's giving us these two doors. This was told to Faustina decades ago. And our Congress of 1775 somehow knew that we needed God. They said democracy without a foundation, a moral foundation, based on Judeo-Christian principles, would never succeed, would never persevere. We are seeing that. Our true republic is at that door. So please, tomorrow, the first Thursday in May, the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, I ask all of us, and I'll be doing my part, and I ask you to join me. I feel this is the most timely one we've ever had. And what is happening is not a surprise. If you want to know a surprise, it's surprising God hasn't done this earlier. And so let us turn to God. He's giving us every tool we need. Every prayer, every church on your street corner, every sacrament to get us back to him. All we have to do is turn to Jesus and Mary, divine mercy and Mother Mary. And in that we have the two spiritual weapons of our, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of our times. Jesus, the divine mercy, and Mary, the mother of the church. In those two, we have all the answers we need because they are based in scripture and the teachings of the church. So please, again, tomorrow, join us in prayer and fasting for our nation. And even if you're not in the United States, pray for your nation. Pray for the world that freedom may persevere so that we will have the freedom to worship our God forever. Amen.